possible. Because um, I think I'm showing us uh, on one angle of the screen. If you can do that, that'll be good. Don't say. Are you sure? I can't see. I can't see myself there. So I'm trying to log on on my phone so that I can see what I'm interested Okay, good, good. All right, cool, fantastic. Okay. Um, I want to share. I want to share a story. A couple of stories I want to share tonight. All right, and um, hopefully the story is going to um, resonate with you. So. Once upon a time, there was a boy. I'm paraphrasing the story, by the way. Uh, who was born into a particular family. <laughs> and as this boy was growing up, um, the parents found out that the boy uh, was quite good uh, in football. The boy loves to play. and He's always plays, always plays, always plays, always playing. You know? So it became apparent that this boy has got a gift in the area of football. Now, if you remember, we've been talking about a lot of things about identifying your gift. I think the last message we had before Madame spoke about how to um, discover your gift, how to develop your gift, and how to deploy your gift. And that message is talking on the premise that you have to discover your gift, that God has placed on the inside of you a unique gift that he has placed on the inside of you, which means you don't have to go outside to find your gifts. What God has placed on the inside of you is the gold in your garden. That's one of the things I shared before. The gold in your garden. God has placed the gold in your garden. All right. So essentially, that gold is the gift that is in your garden. And it's our responsibility, my, our responsibility as, a, as, 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 as individuals to find the gold in that God, to take that gift and es essentially uh, take it from in the raw format and develop it. So we think about discover, develop, and deploy. Discover, develop, and deploy. Discovering is you found the gold in your garden. And then develop means you go and unearth the gold and take it through a process, right? Where it can become useful. It can come turn into different types of um, output or yeah, output or different kind of products, right? And then deployment, it means you take that gift now and you you use it to serve people so that it can bring it can bring uh, a return for you, right? So you can you see your gift like that. Uh, the gift that God has placed on the inside of you is inside your garden. It's somewhere in your heart. That's where the gift is. The gift is already there, you know. Now, but that gift needs to be developed, right? That gift needs to be developed. Usually, the gift will come in raw format. Given to be developed, taking take it through, it will be taken through a lot of training and education, mentoring and coaching, and all that kind of stuff as it goes along. 
you are tenacious as well in your gift. You go through all of that stuff, all right? And ultimately, along the way, you then become, you then deploy that gift uh, so that the world then become, the, the world will then know you. So usually it is not when you, um, it's usually not when your gift is given to you that the world knows about it. I, also, I want to say that again. It's usually not when you have a gift that automatically the world knows about it. There's some of you here who has got gifts, you know, that the rest of the world may not know your gift yet. Okay. But it doesn't mean your gift is useless. Whilst nobody knows about you or whilst fewer people know about the gifts you carry, what do you do? You keep developing your gift. It is too late to develop your gift when the opportunity shows up. You need to develop your gift before the opportunity shows up. So that when the opportunity shows up, you are able to deploy that gift to take advantage of the opportunity that God has brought your way. So the gift that God has given to you, the Bible said the gifts and callings of God, they are without repentance, which means God does not change his mind about his gifts. When God gives you a gift, he doesn't take them back. And that ought to encourage someone tonight. Like, okay, if I've got a gift and God doesn't take it back, and maybe now I'm 45 or I'm 40 or I'm 35 or 50, and somebody's told me, oh, I'm too old. Then you can say, no, I'm not too old. I can still use the gift that God has given me. The gift, therefore, the gift and callings of God, they are without repentance. So that gift, you identify the gift or you discover the gift, you develop the gift and you deploy the gift. So, it gives the backdrop of these three things around, you know, discover, develop, and deploy. I want to tell you a story of a, of a young boy. So once upon a time, you know, there was a boy, a young boy that was born into a family. The family wasn't so wealthy, not, not, they're not rich family, but the boy had this gift of playing football. <laughs> Played football, played for any small time he has, so let's play football. Fortunately, this boy had parents who can tap into the fact that that is the boy's gift. So they said they would take this boy, let them take him, take him to uh, football clubs, you know, where they can scout for, uh, for, for young, for talent. So they took the boy to different, different um, football tournament where his talent could be, um, could be, could be discovered right by other people now the purpose of that in in the construct of discover develop and deploy is that talent the parents already knew the boy has got a talent so that talent was discovered but the talent needs to be developed before the talent could be deployed so the boy was taken to these games where we play and uh and so where they were trying to get uh, them to be, uh, you see, air hunted or to to, to scout for, for for talent. So when everybody sees the boy play, uh, they see that the boy is quite um, gifted and skilled. He plays differently than anybody else, you know. But there's one small problem. The boy has had a problem, and he says that the boy's size look smaller than the rest of people of his age group. When, the more they look at him, the more they like his gift, 
but there's a problem. The problem is his size. He doesn't seem to have the right size or the stamina to be able to compete in the, in the top league. So after a while, we do the deliberation, they decided to, um, they made a decision and say, they will not take the boy on. They will not sign him and roll him up uh, into the big league uh, so that can, his gift can be developed. Obviously, the boy was disappointed, but the boy did not give up on his talent. The boy then started to say to himself, I will do all it takes because I know I've got this gift. So the boy practiced longer, practiced or tougher, practiced more than everybody else. He kept on going, he kept on by himself. He kept on working on his gift, working on, working on himself, you know. And one day, the boy was so good, everybody heard about him, how good he was, and therefore he could no longer be ignored. They eventually had to bring him in into the fold to play the football. So he did not give up on his dream and his goal, even when the system says, we cannot take you, you're not qualified. The boy persevered. The boy told a story to himself about how delay is not denial, about how the gift that God has given to him, you know, he's going to make use of it. Cut loss the short, the boy eventually had to be selected because now the boy is so good, everybody's talking about him. And he got into uh, to the big league. And the boy became one of the top uh, football players of the country. And he won many awards and got to the top of his career. And, you know, when they ask him and say, what, why, what do you think happened? Why do you think this happened for you? And he said, I just kept telling myself, I am going to be a footballer one day. Right. Now, this story, from the record I read, is not a, uh, a story that's made up. It's actually a story about uh, Mr. Messi. I think that's his own as a football player. It's a real-life story about how of his biography. You know, so you can go back and find it online and read it. But that's it's just a paraphrase about uh, his, uh, his story, how he became one of the top uh, uh, footballer of his, uh, you know, in his country, and uh, but he could have, he was rejected when he was starting out because he didn't qualify because of his figure. So, what is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is this: every one of you here has got a gift. Now, in order for that gift to be developed and then become deployed. You may, maybe I will not use the word may, you will come against voices that will say to you, it is not possible. You will come against voices that will say to you, you're too old, you're too young, you're not qualified, no, you're not good enough, you know, so, so, so on and so forth. When that voice comes, you should know that the voice that you have heard does not determine the end of the story. That the most important person in that equation is yourself. That it is up to you to accept what has been presented to you as the truth. Or you can rise above that and say, no, I refuse to believe what has been said. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, 
uh, verse 41. So Kyle is going to help us to bring that up. First Samuel chapter 17. You, if you have been coming to Bible uh, Sunday school, uh, sorry, Sunday, Sunday service, you have, uh, I've spoken about this a bit. I just want to quickly go into that to explain that. First Samuel chapter 17 is a story of David and Goliath. Now, the story goes in uh, when I want to hone in on the conversation between David and Saul. Now, remember what I just said. Mercy had a, a, a no from the board that selected him to go into football, but he refused their no to be the story that he tells himself over and over again that says, uh, you have you are, your bones are not developing enough, or your bones, you're not strong enough like people your age, or you are too short, you're too tall, you're too thin, or whatever, and therefore you cannot be a footballer. It's exactly the same way, by the way, when our children go to school, and they go to school, and they come out with degree, uh, with, um, let's say they do GCSE, and a child comes, go to, G, uh, you know, um, takes the GCSE exams, and comes out with certain kind of degree, and they, they kind of say, oh, because you've made this kind of degree, you are not good at this. You're not good at that. The truth of the matter is, anybody in this life can be good at anything. I'll say that again. Anybody in this life can be good at anything. There's a whole conversation going on in the, in the psychological world around nurture versus nature. Nurture versus nature essentially says, when you believe in nature as being the determinant factor, you're saying, what you are born with is all you can get. When you believe in nurture, you're saying, I may be born with eggs, but if I'm in the right kind of environment, I can grow into X, in, into Y. All right. So essentially, nature versus nature is a conversation that goes on around, are you born with definitive skill that you cannot add more to it? Or are you able to take what you have been, what you're born with and make something good out of it in, based on the kind of environment you find yourself? And the answer really is, Anybody can learn anything. If you put your mind to it, if you are tenacious at it, if you don't give up on it. You might not be as good as top people there, but you can you can learn anything if you put your mind to it. So in Messi's case, he was put in a box by the people who are the authority figure in his country, but he never gave up. If believed in his dream, he fought for it, he kept on going for it until he got so good, it cannot be ignored. In the story of David and Goliath, we see an authority figure in the life or in the person of Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And when Goliath came to, to deride or disdain the armies of Israel, and he will come at Every day for 40 days, he would torment them because he was huge. You know, this guy is, I think, is about nine feet tall. You know, in, in, in height, he was huge, he was heavy, he was, he, he, he got, his muscles were rippling, man. He's got, he's got his armory and all that kind of stuff. Therefore, when you look at it in the physical, you will get afraid, you'll get scared, right? But what happened when he showed up? So, and all these uh, soldiers run away. 
And then when David came in there, he saw what was going on. He also was told about the king's reward, what the king will do for the person who is able to win the Philistine or, the, or Goliath in this case. And David made a decision and said, I am going to go fight him. Now, in verse 31, verse 31, let's start from verse 31. The Bible here says, when the words that David spoke were heard, the man reported them to Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man courage fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Now, verse 33 is what I'm really going. Then Saul said to David, then Saul said to David, then Saul said to David, if you can allow that for me, then Saul said to David, then Saul, verse 3, then Saul said to David, what did he say? He said, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. Full stop. <laughs> you are not able to go to school. You are not able to buy the house. You are not able to get a job. You are not able to get married. You are not able to have a child. You are not able to do this. You are not able to do that. You're not able to do that. But the person who was saying, making this statement, was a person in authority. The same way, I read the story one time. I read the story one time of a man when they were in when the man was in secondary school. Uh, the teacher asked them <laughs> to write out the goal of what they will become in the future, what they want to become in the future. This guy wrote that he wants to be uh, a horse breeder. He wants to have the biggest ranch in Texas. And he wants to breed horses, a particular type of horse. That's what he wants to breed. He wants to breed. That's what he wrote that. And then when it was time for them to read this to the teachers, this was read to the teachers, the, the teacher in class. I say, oh, teacher, this is what I want to become. And he just said, you are never going to become that. Nobody in Texas ever had a ranch that, that breeds that type of horse. Thank God the boy had the common sense or the good fortune not to put the word of the teachers to heart. The boy eventually went up and had the biggest ranch in Texas where he was breeding the same horse type that he wanted to breed. Why? Because he refused to listen to the voice of the teacher. But another story goes this way, where a lady, when she was young, she wrote a, she wrote a book. She, she, she wrote a book. Um, no, she, she was a writer. She writes regularly. And then she, she went to write an essay, and the essay was shown to the teacher. And the teacher said, I am so appalled at this writing. You do not have a gift at all in writing. Stop trying. This girl believed this story for about 20 years. Every time she tries to write, she just said, no, I'm not good at writing. Every time she tries to write, she just, oh, but I'm not good at writing. Until one day, somebody came to her and said, somebody came and told her a different story. When she got into university, this happened in secondary school. When she got into university, I think when she was doing master's, she ventured to write something and this thing got into the hands of another man. And the man said, it's an incredibly wonderful piece. You have the gift to write. 
she has the good fortune to believe that person. And she went back and started writing. And she wrote books that became bestsellers. But the gift she had had already been placed in her by God. But because she listened to the wrong voice, for years, that gift did not manifest. So we see here, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You are not able to go. He did not even say, oh, darling, perhaps you might not have the strength to fight this guy. You know, it, it, the, the statement you see here was not a statement of uh, suggestion, was not a statement of possibilities. It was a statement of definitiveness. You are not able to go against this Philistine. That is the voice of authority speaking in the mind, sorry, speaking from the mouth of Saul as the king of the land, spoken to David, a young boy. Why is he not able to go against this Philistine? He said, because you are only a young man and he has been a warrior since his youth. You do not have pedigree. You do not have any 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 um testimonials you have not done this before in the natural you're not qualified in the natural you don't have what it takes to do this this other guy your competitors people that you are hanging out together that you are in the same business with they have gone to harvard they have gone to cambridge they have gone to oxford they've gone to top-notch school they have worked with top-notch companies what do you have what experience do you have who do you think you are how do you think in the world you are going to be able to do this that is the story being peddled by someone in authority. He ought to be saying at least one person showed up in this old, old hearts of army that can fight this Goliath. He ought to be happy to encourage a young boy that is able, that's trying to do right. He ought to have said, come on, son, I, you, I like your candor. I like the way you carry yourself. I like your boldness. You know, just, let's see what we can do together here. But no, no, no. Fear has taken over. Unbelief has taken over. And then he said, you are not able to go. Unbelief and negativity is, uh, is a negative vibe that travels so fast and envelopes everybody around. So if you are hanging out with somebody who is always negative, always telling you, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. You have the permission tonight to say, Darling, I like you so much, but I think we have to part ways. Why? Because your vibe is not allowed here. Your vibe is not allowing me to move forward. So Saul said, you are not able, verse 73, you are not able to fight this Philistine. You don't have the qualification of what it takes. Now, here is something that is amazing I want to show you. This is the voice of Saul, a person in authority. A person in authority. That says that. <sighs> David had a common sense. Like that man that beat this big ranch in Texas. To say what? Verse 34. 34. Verse 34. What did David say? David said, but David said to Saul, David spoke back to the voice 
that is trying to paint a new mindset in him, the mindset of fear. David said to Saul, listen to me, Saul. I know you are the king of this land, but I, I, I've got some testimony. You are telling me I have not been a warrior from my youth. I hear you from your own yastic, from the from the from the um yastic and the measurement and the and the and the um the criteria that you have set in place yes i may have not been a warrior for my youth but let me tell you what happened when i was in when i was in when i was alone what i did when i was alone what i did when i was telling the thing that was in place in my hand let me tell you the story of my achievement when i was not in the forefront of the world but i was all alone by myself handling my battle let me tell you how i overcame uh the, the challenge when i was 12 years old let me tell you how i overcame dyslexia when I was 15. Let me tell you how I overcame sickle cell anemia when I was 17. Let me tell you how I overcame depression when I was 20. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how I came through in this life for the things which God has brought me through. Let me tell you what I have done, how well I have come in this life. David began to tell the story. David said to him, David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and the bear came and took the lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the lamb from the mouth. When it rose up against me, I sealed by its whiskers and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the, from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So David spoke back against the voice that was trying to put him in the bubble, in the box, that was trying to paint a picture of fear in his heart, that was trying to make him to embrace a mindset of failure. David spoke back. If you remember on Sunday, I said something on Sunday, I said, never stop speaking. When the voice comes against you to say, you can't do that, who do you think you are? Show me your pedigree, show me your testimonial. Never stop speaking. Don't keep quiet and say, oh, I'm going to fight the devil by just keeping quiet in my mind. No, that's not the way. You're going to speak up. You're going to speak up. Now, here's a question. So I can take a break and ask, get some sort of engagement. I've got a question here. Research has been done. Actually, let me ask a question. Is it, who can tell me, if you know, how many thoughts does a person think in a day? We can have a go. How many thoughts does a person think in a day? We can try. Let me try. <laughs> All right. How many? In, in a view. In a day. In a day. How many thoughts? Yes. Um, in my own view, I will say uncountable. But in another view, I will say two types of thoughts, the good no. and the bad. Uh, okay. I'm saying combine them together. If you want to count them in numbers, how many would they be in your uh, view? Okay. It's 70,000. All right, 70,000. I think 70,000, between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts in a day. Every single person in the world, every single person thinks about 70,000 thoughts in one day. Between 70,000 and 50,000 thoughts in one day. 
How many of those thoughts do you think are negative thoughts? What percentage of the, the thought will you reckon are negative thoughts? Who wants to try? Against a guess. It's a guess. I think it's more than more than half. This is maybe half, okay? More than half. Yes, more than half. Jane, just give me a figure. I think about 75%. You said, Mr. Sadila said 75%. Okay. You are almost there. If you add 10 to that, it's about 85. 85? It's about 85%. Yeah? Mm. 85% of the thoughts in a day is negative. Now, let's ask a question. What do you think is a negative thought? What's a negative thought? Jane, what do you think is a negative thought? Um, a thought that doesn't um, that that doesn't build you up. It brings fear into your life. It okay. makes you feel less man. A thought that makes you that makes you fearful, that makes you feel less than. Yeah. 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 Now, suppose you want to start a goal. You want to start walk towards a, your goal. You want to do something big. And you start hearing, but you haven't done that before. You're going to fail. It's going to be, it's going to be so, you're going to ridicule yourself. You want to embarrass yourself. Who do you think you are? Is that thought, is that thought building you up or pulling you down? Pulling you down. It's pulling you down. That's an example of a negative thought. A negative thought is a thought. And, and we all on this call has the tendency, if we don't check to, to go into that direction from time to time, when you do something, you start to doubt yourself. When you start to doubt yourself, say, I can't do that. It's not possible. You start to doubt yourself. And then what happens is you retreat. So let me ask another question. Which one of us here has started to do something so fantastic? You know, you have a, a vision. God give you a dream. There's one dream that is born in your heart. Have you had a dream that is born, that's, that's born up in your heart? I said, oh, I'm going to do this. Or God showed you a dream. Why did you start something like that? X, Y, and Z. Has anybody been in that position? And it's once in your life, you, you've had this, this, this vision of something that you want to do with your life. Anybody? Anybody? Yes, Pastor. Okay, Titi, I've not had your voice in a long time. Okay, now Titi, when, when, you first, when you first had that vision, tell me, what was your emotional state? Afterwards, or oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So, when, when, when you had that encounter with God to say, Do this, how did you feel? What was your emotional state? Oh, I was excited. You were excited. Did you feel like you, you're walking on clouds, or you feel like describe to me how you felt in your chest? In your chest, yeah, how did your chest feel? Or maybe it's your is your is your is your bowel. I, I just want to understand what part of your physiology 
changed? And how did it change? What what did you notice? Um I think at the time when I probably had the but it's happened to me many times. But so at the time when I had the idea, I think, oh yes, finally I've got a sense of purpose. I just feel very excited, very motivated, very ready to go. Yeah. Okay. So very excited, very motivated. Yeah. So you 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 kind of like you feel a rush of energy, right? A rush of energy. It was almost like you feel I can take over the world, right? You feel that, man, let's do that, right? Yeah. And if you're like me, if you're like me, you probably start to put a plan to paper, start to draw stuff. Start, you stay, you stay in that imagination world. Just, just, you just feel carried away with all the possibilities of what this could be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. But, but that's just a thought, right? That's a, that's a positive growth thought. A thought that is going to take you into the next level. That's going to make you, you, you have this vavavoom moment. You have this stuff in your heart. That's a man, this is what we're going to do, right? Yeah. And that makes you feel like, like you can take over the world. That makes you feel like your life is on purpose. That makes you feel like your life matters. That makes you feel like you're, you can you can make a difference in this world, right? Yeah. You you have this, 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 there's a way you feel on the inside that's like, man, very excited. I can do this. Yeah. Now, now, the moment you start to think of now, let's, let's, let's get a bit, a bit more practical. Now, the moment you start to think about Along the way, did you get a thought that says, but how is this going to be funded? How is this going to work? How am I going to get the resource? Did you, did you, did you, I don't know what it is that God gave me to do, but at a point in time, did you have those questions start to pop up around certain obstacles that could come up along the way? Yeah. Now, what happened, what happened to the way you felt? Um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah tired uh, before I even started. Sorry, I felt exhausted before I even started. And you, you, you almost all the time give up. Or if you don't give up, you do what? You procrastinate. Yes. You say, "I'm going to do it tomorrow." Yes. I'll do it when I when I have time. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's something I want you I want you to take away. Right. The vision in your heart, the gift in your heart. The, when you start to have this dream, please for for a moment I want you to write this down. Every gift, every dream, every expression that God shows you in your heart. He has made provision available for them for you. The provision precedes the vision all the time. Anytime you have this idea pop up in your mind and you, you come alive, you have this, man, I can take over the world. And all and after that, down the line, you start to think, how is this going to work? How is that blah, blah, blah. And you start to find yourself that what you will notice that energy start to drain away from you. You start to feel like, you start to feel a you literally start to feel the weight of the world start to come upon your shoulder. You start to oh man, you know, it's what I call a downer. You have this downer moment, right? Oh man. Just remind, remind yourself, say to yourself, Titi, Abby, Jane, Kenneth, before this dream was given to you, 
every resource you need to do this as is already available. So when you when you start to walk around, just say to, just start to say to yourself, the resources are the resources are available. All is going to be okay. We can do this. The resources are going to be available. We can do this. Say to yourself over and over. Every time the thought comes, just say, you know, we can do this. There's going to be a way. There's going to be a way. The reason why you are doing that is you are engaging what I call pattern disruptors. You are trying to disrupt the pattern that's trying to form to dislocate or dislodge the dream that God has for you. The another analogy that I want you to play back in your mind, let's see whether, whether we can work with this. Suppose, suppose you are a, 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 you're, you're a pilot. You're a pilot. Um and you have your family, you, it's only your family that you have in this uh, cargo airplane. You are the pilot that has to drive this cargo airplane off a territory where you are being pursued by drug cartels. They're running after you. You, you, you got your family in the in, in the train in, in, in the in the airplane. You are the you are the um you are the pilot. And in front of you is a wrong way. And the wrong way is a short wrong way. You're gonna make a choice. If you stay there on the tarmac, the cartel is gonna take you up, probably kill you and your family, you don't want that. Or you're gonna make a go for that wrong way. And they said to you, if you can throttle the plane and get it to get to a certain um, speed limit within a short period, short period of time, you should be able to lift up the tarmac. What will you do, Titi? What will you do? I'll, I'll, I'll try. You try? Try. Try is not a statement that helps, is it? <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> uh -huh. do, you, do, you see, do you see how our words <laughs> condition us not to give our best? I will try means yeah whatever happens i'm sure you will not do that titi i know you too well <laughs> not to not just say i'm gonna try no when you look at them when you look at them boys i said no i've come a long way for anybody to take them away from me are you listening to me you're gonna do what you're gonna put the gear in you're gonna strap on and say hey guys come on let's go for a ride okay yes that is actually what i'll do and now notice the difference between when you said i would try and yes, that's what I will do. Tell me what happened between the inflection of the first statement and the inflection of the second statement. What pictures went through your mind? So when I said I'll try, I was more like, okay, yeah. I wasn't really that, like I, I, I was saying I'll try, not really expecting to succeed. But when I said, okay, yep, yeah, I'll do it. I knew without a shadow of doubt, I was going to do it and succeed. Fantastic. 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 Now, let's play this game back into our goals, our dreams, what we want to do. Every time you say to yourself, I will try what you have said, you are not yet committed. You have not seen the fact that it can win, it can succeed. But anytime you say to yourself, I will do this, it's because the picture you have painted in your mind concerning that thing which you want to do is a picture that shows you that you are going to triumph. So tonight, I was to, I, I started this new series called The Mindset 
the mindset, uh, the, the, the mindset, the, what do I call it? Sorry, apologies. I, I, I have in my note here. Um, I think I sent it into the group. Give me one minute. Yeah, the mindset, the mastery, and the mentoring for success. That's a new series I'm starting today. You know, but this is just the beginning of the conversation. The mindset, the mastery, and the mentoring for success. All right. So the mindset here, this and the example we, we shared here, that talk about how you succeed is a mindset that says, I will succeed. Not, I will just try. I'll just try and see how it goes. Don't, from today, remove from your vocabulary, let's see how it goes. Because the moment you say, let's see how it goes, it's not going anywhere. You have not committed yourself. You have not committed yourself. Now, the moment you commit yourself and say, we will do this, the resources will flow to you. I'll say that again. The moment you say, I'm going to do this, the resources will flow to you, not before. Now, I am not saying the resources are not there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the resources are there, but they don't flow to you until you are committed. Why is that? Everything in this world has energy. So when you say, I will try, the energy is on a downer. That energy is not strong enough to attract and pull to you the resources you need. But when you say, I will do this, what happens is the energy is strong enough and it begins to pull everything you need to make that thing a reality. Have you ever noticed, I don't know whether it's happened to you, it's happened to me over and over and over again, that until I set a big goal that scares me, some things don't move. I don't know whether it's happened to you before. The, 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 the very first time I said, I'm actually going to take my children from public school, I put them in private school, and it was going to cost me X amount of money, my salary did not double. But even I have this big goal that I said, I said, you know what? This thing I've got to go to this private school and I've got three of them. And I walk out, okay, this is how much it's going to cost me. You know? And I put it down on paper and I didn't have the money. But then I read Kenneth Higgins' book that says, how God taught me prosperity. I went and read the book and I followed what he did. I basically said, Lord, send your angels down around and I command X amount of money to come to me and I went about my business doing all the things I got to do. You know, I think I talked about it already in church. Two weeks later, my salary increased 100% in two weeks. And by the way, I did not go to look for the work. I was just doing my thing. All of a sudden, somebody just headhunted me. I said, hey, by the way, we want to do the job, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the rest is history. Why is that important? When you set a big goal, a big goal is the beginning of the mindset for success. When you set a big goal, you are saying, I ought to do you are trying to feel the capacity that God has placed on the inside of you. Set a big goal. Don't set small goals. Write it down. Set that big goal. Write it down. I'm going to make X amount of money. You know, my healing is perfected in Jesus' name. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting married. Write those things down. Whatever it is that you want, write it down. Make it a big goal. When you make it a big goal and you commit to it and you say, I will do this. You have that commitment. You have this picture in your mind that it is possible. That's where the key thing. When you say, I will do this, just like we did this example now, where you said, I will try, no, I will do it. 
there's a picture that you painted differently in your mind that says, this is possible. When you do that, the resources will begin to flow to you. Sorry, you got a question. Yeah, I was going to ask. So we hear a lot about um, when you make up your mind. Um, no, so not when you make up your mind. So God has already provided everything you need. So what is the... What am I trying to ask? So what is the foundation for that belief that God has really, well, I know it's true, but what is the foundation for that? Like, what are we basing that on? Like with scriptures in the Bible, are we basing on the fact that God has actually already provided everything we need? Because even this morning I was listening to a podcast and it was a pastor talking and he actually said that sometimes we're praying, we're asking God to give us stuff that we already have. Second Peter 1, 3. Second Peter 1, 3. Got it. That's what, I'm going to give you a couple of them, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, do you want to, want to read that? Or do you want me to read it? Yeah, because, because when you read it, then you see it, right? Okay, so for his divine power... Okay, sorry, let me start again. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through, okay. God has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. The word godliness there means God-likeness, to be like God. Everything you need need to be like God has already been given to you. Question, does God lack anything? No. No. Bible says everything you need to be like God has already been given unto you. It has been bestowed on you. In fact, if you read this in the Passion Transition, I know Bible Gateway doesn't show Passion Transition, it shows in a different way. You know, somebody can help us to look at it. I mean, somebody can also look at NLT version. It has been bestowed on you. Everything you need to be like God. Godliness means God-likeness. Everything we need to be like God has been bestowed upon us. But you see, there's a clause here that says, through the knowledge of him who called us. So you need to therefore know him. You need to know what you have. You need to know what he has made available for you. So there's a knowledge issue. For example, when we say, God, give me X, Y, and Z that he has already given you. There was a time, I think um, I think it was Jane, was trying to take this Ephesians chapter world to try and rewrite it in, in a, based on, it, on the new Christian realities. I think we didn't get end up getting that story. I think we should, we should work on that book at some point, uh, Jane. So she, what he's, he's doing was, she was doing was essentially saying what we're asking God for is not in the in the in the future by and by. God already, when Jesus Christ said it is finished on the cross, the word is petelestai, which means it is perfectly perfect, completely complete. There's nothing more God needs to do. God has already done everything we need to be for see, God has already done everything that's necessary for every believer to succeed in this life 100 percent But if you don't know it, if you so change yourself, if you continue to speak negatively about yourself, if you allow your mind to just keep winding you up, then you are not knowing the true knowledge of Him. So this that's just the true knowledge of Him, who has called you by His own glory and excellence. Bible says you get to know, you get to access or enjoy this thing that has already been given to you through this knowledge of Jesus. So which means we need to then 
make sure we know Jesus properly. Not, I'm not talking of, I mean, I go to church. I'm talking of understand who he is, understand who you are in him, understand what he has done for you. Right? Did that, that answer the question? That's yes. the point. One. Second, another one. Second, second Corinthians chapter nine. I can read it if you need, Pastor. Good afternoon. Hey, Kenneth, what's up? How you doing? All cool. Tuning in for the right day, apparently. So. Fantastic. Yeah, you can read it if, you, if you've got it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you, so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely, well, those are the notes, but I'm reading them anyway, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Okay, that's it. That is, I mean, that answers the question straight away, teaching right there, right? God, yeah. God is a, God has made grace, every favor, every earthly blessing, yeah, is already available to you. Why? Why is that? Why, is, why did he make it available? So that you may always, not sometime, always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him, and have an abundance for every good one and to charity. What is saying here <laughs> that the grace of God is already available to you, so that in every circumstance you have more than enough. Now, listen to listen to this explanation in a different way. It may, it may be that you have the resource yourself. It may be that the resource flows through somebody, but it, what he's saying here is the need is met. The need is met. Why? Because the grace of God is available for it. So, therefore, you can believe for it. You can believe that, you know, if God has placed a vision in your heart, he has provided for that vision, before the vision was given to you. God never gives, see, God never gives a vision to someone that he has not provided for. So there, there was a vision that God showed me recently that I'm, I'm working on. And when I look at the bigness of it, I thought, oh God, how is that going to work? And let me to a scripture that I say is, I believe in you. The scripture that God showed me is that I believe in you. And I have anointed you. So anytime I want to say, how's this going to work? I just remember, God said he believes in me. And I just keep moving. Just keep moving. So here he's saying, you can believe that in, when you find yourself in any situation, God is able to provide, make that available for you. Now, there's another construct on the back of this where somebody else says, because this is there, I am not just going to sit down and not do nothing. That is not what we're saying. Because remember, I said before in the book of Galatians, uh, Genesis chapter 2, that the first assignment that God gave to Adam was to walk. The very first assignment was to walk. Before God even told him to name all the animals, he named all the animals in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. He was given work, I think, in verse 15 or thereabout. God asked him, okay, take of the garden and keep it. That was his first assignment. So, walk is not a curse, walk is an expression, walk is, walk is worship. It's an expression that we express the gift that God has given us. 
yeah, to the glory of God. So when you are at work and you do excellent work, and people say, ah, this is, man, I just love what you do. You know what they're doing? They're praising God. So work is an expression. It's, a, it's, it's an expression, it's an expression, expression of worship, to worship God for the gift that he has made you a gift to this world, right? So God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in everything, you may have complete sufficiency in everything, you know, and have an abundance for every good work, an act of charity, which means it's not just enough for you to have the, the resources flow to you so that you can also bless other people. Always remember, God is in the in the people's business. God never gives you a gift that you just consume on yourself. That's not the way God works. God gives you a gift that when you use that gift, you your gift can actually, your gift only, can only find its expression actually when he helps other people. There's no other way. Just imagine, God gives me this gift to be teaching, and I'm just teaching myself. I didn't teach anybody. I didn't impact anybody's life. Nobody's life is ever get God blessed by it. In which way would that bring glory to God? No, because it's just for me and myself, I'm just consuming. That's the reason why God is not into that business. When God met Abraham, God said to him, Abraham, I will, I will bless you. I will make you a blessing so that you can be a blessing to other people. So God's focus is around people. The gift you have must be used. I think I shared that in other uh, previous uh, teaching as well, that when God gives you a gift, that gift is to serve other people, is to, is to bring glory to God. That is vertically upward, bring glory to God, and horizontally to serve other people. When you do that, that gift will make room for you. That gives you make room for you. Okay, I hope that, that answers the question. Yes, it does. Thank you. All right. Any other question or contribution? We have 10 minutes left. I'd like to give a testimony, actually. Okay, please go for it. Yeah, regarding what you said. Um, so I remember years back when I was trying to buy a house. And because I had been trying for so long, it was continuous for me. I kept on trying and I wasn't succeeding. I realized that I had resigned myself. I started to look at myself as someone that couldn't buy a house. Hmm. I mean, everything was there. I had a very good job. I, I had everything I thought, I mean, that was required buy a house but there was always obstacle yeah every time i tried to and i remember speaking to you pastor davis um i think about three years ago or four years ago and i told you this and i said for me i i just didn't feel this was ever going to happen or i was just going to be the sort of person to you know for this to happen too because i just don't know maybe it wasn't just it wasn't meant for me. And you told me to write it down and imagine it and just believe it. And so I took your advice. I wrote it down. I started shifting my mindset. I started looking at myself as, okay, this can actually happen. And all obstacles will be lifted up. And I remember writing it down back then. And I think my mind just shifted. And looking I mean, two years or three years ago, I eventually bought a house. And when I look back, it wasn't that anything changed mm. apart from just my mind shift. I was still doing this, my kind of job. 
I see out of everything I had, but I had reconditioned my mind to see myself as, to see it as something that could happen. And it yeah. happened, yeah, it just happened effortlessly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, when you were saying that, that was, yeah, what my mind went to. Fantastic. For, for, for more than almost like eight years, I've been trying. Mm. And when I spoke to you, within a year, everything changed. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm so, I'm so thankful. Thank you for sharing that. And I, and I believe, I hope that blesses someone as well to know that, listen, um, God is never, see, God has no favorites. I mean, the other day I was talking to this to my wife, I was saying, you know, some I've had somebody said before, I'm God's favorite child. And I said, I can understand somebody saying that statement to 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 um to prove to, to say to themselves, basically say, look, I'm God's favorite child. Just like John said, I'm the uh, disciple that 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 Jesus loves. I can understand that. But I said you also gotta be careful where somebody says, Oh, you know, I'm the only one that's got access to God, you know. There's no such thing as that. I mean, every one of us here have got direct access to God, right? So, which means God loves us equally the same way. God loves us the same way. He loves us the same way he loves Jesus. God loves the, the exact same way God loves Jesus Christ, the same way that God loves us. God, and this might ruffle somebody, God does not love Jesus Christ more than he loves you. I want you to take, just take that. He doesn't, he doesn't love the more than he loves you. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 17, Jesus Christ prayed and said, you know, the same, the glory which you have given me, I give to them. Jesus Christ, you know, you hear, oh, God will not share his glory with anyone. Jesus Christ shared his glory with us. In John chapter 17, he says, the glory which you have given to me, I give to them. Not in the sense that we're competing with God. We're never, ever competing. We are part, where, how can we compete with, with somebody, who, somebody who, who, <laughs> who redeemed us, who brought, who bought us, who put us in his own family. There's no competition here. We are God, in fact, we are God's children. Right, but God loves us the exact same way. God does not love one child of God more than another child of God. He loves us the exact same way. But the thing, what makes the difference is the mindset. Like, like Abby said, the mindset. Can you embrace the mindset that says, I am one with God? Can you embrace the mindset that says, God has already blessed me? Can you embrace the mindset that says, God has made all grace abound to me so that I can have I can have all sufficiency in all things. Can you embrace that mindset? Can you embrace that, that mindset? And it is embracing that mindset that makes the difference between one believer who seems to be enjoying the benefit and the other believer who seems not to be enjoying it, right? Okay, it's because God is no God has no partiality. God has no respect of persons, right? This morning I was listening to a podcast and once this lady was sharing a testimony where she's not Christian really, but she was sharing something about how she was um, she had this this um, food uh, I think it was a basketballer that came to to her and she the basketballer said, said oh I've not had a grand slam in in years and then he said why haven't you have a grand slam said she doesn't know what do you, what what would you like to have I like to have a grand slam when would you like to have a grand slam uh, in one year's time why one year's time uh, because you give me some time to prepare. Okay, if you, if you, if if there are no obstacles, what, as, how quickly do you let you have a grand slam? He said, "Oh, he said, oh, oh, he said, actually, um, there's a sorry, there's a bit of background noise." The guy said, um, "Sorry, I don't know where that's coming from. Apologies." Yeah. So the the the, the lady said to her. 
He's literally said to him, "When is when is the next? When how quickly can you get a grand slam in?" He said, "Oh, there's a there's a there's a U.S. Open or whatever that's going to happen in five weeks. I can aim for that." So so then change the programming. How? By imagining himself winning the grand slam and saying out of his mind, "I'm going to win the grand slam." And in five weeks' time, the guy won the grand slam. Now, is that was there any difference between? What he did before and what he did then? No, it was a shift in the mindset. You win the battle in the mind first before you win it in the physical. What you cannot embrace in the mind, you cannot embrace in the physical. I have come to realize that victory starts in the mind first. Victory starts in your heart. If you have won the victory in your heart, it might take one year, it might take six months, it might take three months, but that victory is going to come out in the physical for you. So that's why the Bible said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart proceeds the boundaries of life. So which means your heart determines, your heart in this case is like your subconscious mind, determines you know, what you experience in this life. So you guard it. God, God did not say he's going to guard it for you. He said you guard it. How do you guard it? Put the filter on. When you hear anything, any message, or you see anything that contradicts the promises of God, what God has told you in the word that you have, or what God has told you in the word that you are, then put the filter on and say, I reject that, I refuse that. But it's not enough to say, I reject that, I refuse that. You, there cannot be vacuum in nature. You have to plant a new thought. You have to say, no, that is not for me. This is what God said. And then rehash, re rehash, you know, re um, affirm what God said to you. You know, say it out of your mouth over and over. As you say that in your mouth over and over, what are you doing? You are playing, planting new pictures in your heart. Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise God. Any com contribution? I think we've got three minutes left. Any contribution before we go? Any contribution, question, clarification, even testimony? Just a, that, yeah. just a comment that what you're covering here is excellent. It's always great the way that you fuse your practical knowledge with biblical wisdom to really help us in various ways. So just giving you that compliment, Pastor Davies. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Jane, any 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 contribution? Any other person? Jane, um, Titi, I think Mr. Pastor Patrick is here, so I don't know if he's here. I don't know. Any contribution from anybody before we go? We've got two minutes left. No, I just want to agree with what you're saying, Pastor. I asked those questions just so I have the scriptures so I can read them, but it's absolutely true what you're saying. Once, you know, I've had a lot of ideas, and the ones where I've said, I can do this, I'm doing this, that's yeah. the end of the story no matter what. Those are the ones that I've done, and they've you know they've been uh successful yeah. the ones i'm like i'm going to try i might have not have bothered at all <laughs> yeah so yes, yes so, so we, we get into procrastination and procrastination is another is just another form of laziness to be honest with you is like oh man i'm gonna do it tomorrow and this is why your procrastinator is because your mind is feeding on the image of failure mm. see see the human mind the human mind runs away from pain and run towards pleasure. Yeah. Everybody's mind here runs away from 
pay in front of pleasure. So when you think about that thing which you are not committed, that, that I call it downer, that is not filling your mind with vavavum, every time you think about that, it just drains your energy. And you tell yourself, oh man, I, I don't want to do that. Oh man, even though you might be paying lip service to it, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that. But in your heart, you're like, oh man, your heart is cringing. Your heart is like, oh man. It's like somebody who has got a, a bout of, um, a bout of, um, I don't know if tuberculosis, but a battle of some sort of sickness that is groaning. You know, oh man, I don't, your heart, your heart is actually like cringing and frowning. I was like, oh, I don't want that. So the, the mind is seeing, sensing the pain and you might say, I don't want to do that. So you might be using your mind to say it, but your mind is like, oh, not again, not again, not again, not again. I'm taking it away from me. You know, and because that's what your mind is saying, you do not have, you do not get the energy to be able to act right, right? So that you can follow through. Because, because if you don't have that picture that excites you, that encourages you, if you don't have the vision of the, what the end game looks like that keeps you moving forward, when you face obstacles along the way, because the obstacles will come, you're gonna tell me, I don't wanna do that, I'm just gonna back up, let's, let's go away, you know? So, so I encourage everyone of us, including myself, that whatever goal you have set, we have three months left in this year. What I'm going to set, you know, God is stepping us into new month. The new month is going to be tagged the blessing. The blessing is what, is what the tag of October is going to be, which means there will be some new things happening in your life that God has already ordained. He already planned them and for you. Please don't shortchange yourself by embracing a mindset that says, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, tap into your core. Tap into your gift. Tap into what God has placed you on earth to do. Just let that excite you. Listen, I, I've said it before. How do you know your gift? What gives you joy? What gives you joy? If what you are doing does not give you joy, then find what gives you joy and begin to put your energy to it. And when you wake up in the morning and you sleep at night, pray over those things, see yourself achieving them in the future, enjoy the process, right? Okay. Let the picture of success, of what you can become, of what God has ordained for you, fill your heart so that every day you are walking in that reality, all right? Even though the reality has not shown up, but you're already walking in it in the realm of the spirit, right? And in due course, it will manifest itself in the realm of the physical. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Before you round up, please. And there is this um, way you always say it, and that we should always checkmate what we say from our mouths. Yes, 100%. I believe in that because one of my little knees staying with us. There was a day we were having him house a party, birthday party, and we did this game, flipping of a bottle with water that's going on right now. We were flipping it, and um, he was, when it is, is torn, he has never won, I think, about 10 times, he didn't win anything. So he said it out of his mouth. He said, um, why is it that I'm always a loser? Mm. I'm good for nothing. I, um, I don't think I'm going to so I said, mm. I called and I told him publicly, whatever you say with your mouth comes true. He said, but I've not been winning and I didn't say anything. I said, try to say something good. I'm telling you, he said just one good thing. He said, okay, I will win now. And he flipped it down. I said, oh, mommy, Nikkei told me. I should be saying good thing. And good now. So I win again. Let me try again. I said, when it is your turn. Say it again and you will. 
said it again the second time. You won. I said that comes to the end of this game because you'll be winning again. So that day, from that day, anything said, say something good with my mouth. He's just eight years old, and that thing always comes. In fact, even to me, every time I say, I will wait till my change comes. Even if it's not good, when I'm not so strong, I will say I will wait till my change comes because I know my change will come. I will be a living testimony, and I'm telling you, I get stronger by So this percent it works. Whatever we say with our mouth and whatever we inculcate in our heart comes out from our mouth, and I'm telling you, it brings good results. So if it is otherwise, I don't always say otherwise since that day I've been hearing Pastor David's words. I don't say otherwise again. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Man, that really blessed me. That testimony of that child. Just imagine, just imagine all our children just get this from a young age. By the time you become like 30, 40, man, forget the world is it, the world is going to be a change place, you know. And that's that's the vision here is to make sure we can get these things into our children as well, you know, like so they can be a living testimony, they can live this life, you know, and then you know there will there will there will arise a generation that that understand the power of word, the power of God, the power of 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 determining what your future looks like, not not allowing the worst them to control the narrative, you know, because God has placed the kingdom in our heart, just like I said. The kingdom of God is not like somebody who say, go there and go there. Say, the kingdom is in your heart. The kingdom is in your heart. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you for your children tonight. Thank you for the ability to be able to share your word, to be able to just, just have fellowship together tonight. I pray for every one of us. I pray for every one of us here tonight. That, Lord, as we leave here, help us to embrace this mindset. The mindset, all my God, that says, the work is finished. I am here to lay hold and receive it. Help us all night to receive what Christ has finished. Help us to receive. You know, you, 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 we need to lambano it. Help us to receive, to have this mindset that no, we're not struggling through life. We are already victors. We just need to lay hold and receive it. And therefore, that will help us all, Marigal, to take the right kind of action in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Before we go, I want to say we have communion on, on Sundays, coming Sunday, the first Sunday of um, October, 3.30 p.m. UK time, you can make it. I will be teaching on um, Deuteronomy 28. Remember, Deuteronomy 28 is, uh, is got the blessing and the curses. I am I'm, I'm rewriting all the curses in Deuteronomy 28 because this month, the coming month is the blessing. So what I will be doing on, on Sunday, try not, try not to miss it, I will be Sunday, 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon for the communion. I will be, I have not finished it anymore, but I'm turning all of the courses into some sort of blessing prayer. And I'm just going to pray through them, you know, for this month. Because God is laying in my heart that, you know, the blessing is a time for October. The Bible says the, ble the blessing of the Lord makes rich and has no sorrow, which means has no toil, has no, you know, you don't have to be gritting your teeth because the blessing of the Lord makes rich. So please look forward to that, okay? In the name of Jesus Christ. And then in this one of October, um, we are going to be having uh, uh, this series for this this coming month is going to be around I mean, talking on Sunday now, Sunday it's going to be about reprogramming reprogramming our minds, you know, for success obviously I'm talking about this this all this series on, on Wednesday it's about the, the, the mindset the mastery and the mentoring for success so that's what we're doing on Wednesdays but on Sunday I'll be doing about reprogramming for the next four weeks or thereabouts, okay, so please I just want to let you know that 
the, the, the team will do that, put all of this in a in a deck so they can they can share so that everybody can know what we're talking about uh, for this month of October. I sincerely believe that you should go into this month of October with expectation. Some great things are going to happen in your life, but please believe it. Believe it. God, God has done the work. Remember, I want to look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God has made all grace abound to us. Like in all things, we have more than enough, all sufficiency in all things. So we lack nothing. So, Father, I just want to thank you tonight for your children. Thank you that as we live here, Lord, we live this, this, this assurance, Almighty God, that it is finished, it is done. Help us, Almighty God, to remember this truth in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that by this time next, next week when we come, there will be testimonies in the house. We thank you for it and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You're blessed. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God's goodness and blessings are with us all the days of our life. Amen. All right. You're blessed. See you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, God. David. Appreciate it.